0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 10 called A Cry to My Creator.
1: go through a trial, you have options of where to turn. And Job, in his trial, decided to turn to his creator. Hence, I've named this a cry to my creator. Now, there are times in life when it seems like when we're going through something and we may have a lot of questions about the whys and what's going on, we do have options. And there are people that go through valleys and they Maybe decide that I'm not going to turn to God, I'm going to turn to something else. And you know the question when we turn to something else is, where are you going to go, right? But, but sometimes we have question marks that make us angry and we're confused and we just don't know what to do with the information or with the situation that we find ourselves in. Israel found themselves in these kinds of situations on several of occasions. And if you think about Israel's plight... The majority of the instances were, was God correcting his people and bringing discipline into their lives. This is Hosea 7. If you found your place there, look at verse 14. As God speaks to his people through the prophet, Hosea 7.14, he says these words. He says, And they do not cry to me from their heart when they wail on their beds. For the sake of grain and new wine they assemble themselves They turn away from me. The Israelites were crying out over their situation. They were wailing on their beds, but they were not turning to God. God says through the prophet, verse 15 of Hosea 7, although I trained and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They turn, the Hebrew word is shuv, it's the word we get for repentance, but here they turn, but not upward, not to the Most High, New King James. They're like a deceitful or treacherous or faulty bow. Their princes will fall by the sword because of the insolence of their tongue. This will be their derision in the land of Egypt. Even Egypt, from whom they were delivered centuries before the time of Hosea in the Exodus, even Egypt will say, why in the world would Israel turn away from their delivering God? And perhaps some of our friends might say, if we backslide into the world, why did my friend who became such a solid Christian who was witnessing to me go back to Egypt, which is a type of the world? Why? And and, and there's this picture of mockery. And some of you know this very well, because some of you were led to Jesus Christ by a person who was no longer walking with Jesus Christ. Isn't that weird? To think of the person that led me to the Lord, the person that shared the gospel with me, the person that maybe even was investing in discipling me, has now gone back to Egypt, in quotes, gone back to the world. And the Egyptians look at that and say, why would they do that? I don't get that. Now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, which is now more towards Job, so it's right after the Psalms, Proverbs, you're going to find Ecclesiastes. I want you to see something that Solomon said. And though Job's problems are not a result of Job's sins, Solomon's largely were. Solomon went after many foreign women. He was warned not to, but he did. Anyway, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he's talking about life disconnected from God. No longer in intimate fellowship with God. And here's what he says, and this goes with our cry to your creator theme. Ecclesiastes 12 Solomon writes, Remember also your Creator, verse 1, Ecclesiastes 12. In the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Note the word before, Bible students. Before the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and mighty men stoop and grinding ones stand idle because they are few. And those who look through windows grow dim. Skip down to verse six. "Remember him before the silver cord is broken, and the golden bowl is crushed. the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. And then the preacher says, "Vanity of vanity," says the preacher. "All is vanity." Now, if you turn to the book of Job, which is right before the Psalms, Job is going through his trial. But Job is not like ancient Israel being disciplined for their sin and imbibing the ways of the nations, though they were warned not to. Job is not like Solomon who though he knew better, took many foreign wives and his heart was turned away from God. God, Job is a faithful, righteous man, a man that God is bragging about in the heavens to Satan. And yet Job has found himself in this terrible trial. And in that trial, what, one thing I want you to note is Job does not turn away from God. He turns toward God in the trial. Even though Job could make the argument, I don't think I've done anything wrong, anything worthy of this. I don't think I have sinned to the point where I need to be disciplined by God. I've been trying to live a righteous life. Job's whole world, though, his whole worldview has been shattered. It's been turned upside down because he was doing the right thing and he got the wrong result. If, If anyone, if you think of the three categories, think of ancient Israel sinning against God, going into idolatry. Think of Solomon, who got himself you know, caught up with many foreign wives, turned his heart away from God. And then think of Job. Job did nothing wrong. Maybe he's the guy that we would expect to turn away from God in his trial. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've gone through a trial and you turned away from God for a season or for years. Well, Job has reason to say, I don't get it. And because I don't get it, maybe I'm not going to follow you anymore. But Job has turned into his creator. But he's turned into God or up to God with lots of questions and even lots of conclusions. And those conclusions that he makes often will miss the mark and sometimes rather widely. So we have to be careful when we're going through something and we don't see all the angles, we don't have the full story, that just because we come to conclusions or even if we think our comforters, in quotes, are wrong, We still have to be careful that we don't think we have all the answers. Job is going to miss the mark on several of his conclusions, but I will say this. we got to give Job a lot of credit that he has turned into God and he has turned toward God for his answers, even in his agony, even when he believes that God is the one that is crushing him, even when he might have concluded that either God is an incompetent judge from one author or a malicious tyrant, or a disloyal friend, some of the imagery that we have in the text tonight, still he turns to God with his questions. And can I say to you that tonight, wherever you are on the spectrum, at least turn into God with your questions. Job is a believer. Job is a worshiper. He is not turned away from being a creationist. He cries out to his creator for answers. And here's what he says. He says, This is Job 10, verse one. He says, I loathe my own life. Uh, You could render this, my soul loathes my life. Dave, I have a little echo up here if you can turn me down just a little bit. He says, I will give full vent to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Notice he's addressing God. I will say to God, Job 2, do not condemn me. Let me know why you contend with me. Is it right for you, addressing God, indeed to oppress, to reject the labor of your hands? You made me. And there's more to come on that. And to look favorably on the schemes of the wicked. Job opens chapter 10 with his lament. He says, I loathe my life. My soul loathes my life. There are some people who get to the point in their life where their life has become so terrible that they loathe even themselves. They they can't even look in the mirror anymore. They feel a sense of disgrace. This is the idea of one who keeps their head down. They, they don't even want to look up. And if you've seen some people that maybe they're on, they've been on the streets for a while, they've been through a very difficult uh, time frame, they don't even want to make eye contact, they don't even want to look up. Job was such an esteemed man, the greatest man in his generation uh, in the East. And now it's like he doesn't even want to look up anymore. He doesn't even want to look in the mirror or look anybody in the eye. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give full vent to my complaint. And when we're going through something, it's not a bad idea to vent. Anybody ever vented before and you feel better? It's nice to have a person you can vent to, a person that feels safe. I looked up vent in the dictionary just to see what venting actually is. And it means to let out. It means to give free rein, to release, to pour out, to emit, to discharge, to bring into the open, to come out with, to express, to give expression, to uh, to air, to communicate, to broadcast, to make public, to proclaim, to assert, to ventilate, to find an outlet for, and uh, there's a second definition, uh, a vent is an outlet for air, gas, or liquid. <laughs> and all God's people said, yeah, that that sounds about right, doesn't it? And when we're venting, it can be medicinal, it can be therapeutic, but it could also be dangerous. And sometimes we get in this spot where we need to give air to our grievances, and I just say to you, it's not a bad thing to vent, but just be careful how often you start in that pattern of venting. Because when you start airing all of that stuff out, um, you never know quite how it's going to hit and where it's going to hit. And Job is saying, he says, basically, I hate my life. And in light of what I'm going through, I am not holding back. I'm going to give verse 1 full vent to my complaint. I'm not holding back because I think I'm in the right and I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I'm a bitter man. I loathe my life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my event to God. And I suppose since God does know what we're thinking and venting under our breath anyway, <laughs> I guess when we're struggling, the book of Job has taught us that we can go to God with our struggles.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners.
1: makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call
0: 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I guess when we're
1: struggling, the book of Job has taught us that we can go to God with our struggles. But even then, I think we would want to be careful that we're not irreverent. But Job has much on his heart, much to ask questions about. And what he says in verse 2, he says, don't condemn me. Let me know why you contend with me. He says, I don't understand why the verdict has gone against me. If you're taking notes, question 1 from Job in his cry to his creator is, why do you contend with me or why do you contend against me? Why are you against me? Now this is why I tell you that when you read the book of Job or Ecclesiastes or these some of these books that are that are telling you what the author or the person, the subject is saying accurately, but their theology is not exactly accurate. Here's where you need to be careful. And Job is saying, God, why are you against me? And the answer from the heavens is, I'm not. I'm actually for you, Job. I've been bragging on you. But Job is not privy to the conversation in heaven that we've been privy to. We know the dialogue between Satan and God. We know that Satan has set his sights on Job and God has allowed it. But it is because Job is righteous. But Job thinks that God is the one doing it, and it's actually Satan. Look at verse three, when Job says, is it right for you to oppress, to reject the labor of your hands? And we'll talk about that more, that God made him. And to look favorably, would you notice, on the schemes of the wicked? Isn't that interesting language? Because we're told in Ephesians 6.11 that we are to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the, schemes of the devil. Do you know the devil has schemes, Ephesians 6, 11. That's why you need to put on the armor of God. And the word for schemes in Greek is methodia. It's where we get the word in English, methods. The enemy has methods. He has schemes. And his schemes are to try to get you away from God, to curse God to his face, to deny your faith in God, to deny the power of the word of God to get you to lower your shield of faith, to take off your helmet of salvation, to put aside the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, to take off the belt of truth, to discard the shoes of peace. Everybody with me? This is what the enemy's trying to do. God gave you pieces of armor custom built to deal with the typical ways that the enemy schemes against you. You have a helmet of salvation because they'll try to convince you that maybe you're not saved. You have a shield of faith because he will get you to try to question your faith. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. You have a sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, to defend yourself and fend off the temptations that come your way. You have shoes of peace because the enemy often tries to steal your peace. Everybody with me? Hopefully you've read the book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. I can offer it to you at a bargain price. We'll talk later. (laughs) It's a book that I've written on the armor of God if you didn't know. But anyway... Job is saying, why are you against me? But the truth of the matter is that God is not against Job and God is not against you. You say, how can you really know, Pastor Michael? Just turn to Romans 8 and let me show you. Romans chapter 8, a beautiful passage. I think most of you know it. Let me just take you to it to remind you that God is not against you. In fact, He is for you. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 31. Let's just um, bask in the beauty of these promises. What then shall we say to these things, Romans 8, 31? If God is for us, who is against us? Now, how do we know that God is for us? Paul's going to answer the fact that God is for us in the cross or in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He who did not spare, Romans 8, 32, his own son, but delivered him up for us, all, how will he not also with him freely give us how many? All things. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns, 34? Christ Jesus is he who died, here's the gospel, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God? He has a current ministry to us, the ministry of intercession. Who also intercedes for us? He is for us. He died for us. He lives for us. He intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 35. Shall, here's some problems. Shall tribulation? Answer is it won't. Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. You could put Job's name there. Peril, sword. Just as it is written, for thy sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we, what? We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And then Paul says, I am convinced, and he's writing to Roman Christians, probably experiencing at least early persecution in the Roman uh, uh, period. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Nor angels, including Satan, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. And just in case you missed it, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I've been, I've told you as we go back to the book of Job that we've entitled our time in Job, the problem of evil and the power of the gospel, because the problem of evil Is always solved or answered in the power of the gospel. That's what Paul just did in Romans chapter 8. But what if you're Job? What if you're still dealing with boils from the top of your head to the sole of your feet? What if you've had poor comforters that traveled only to tell you that you must have sinned against God and certainly your children sinned against God? That's why the house fell in on them. That's why you're in the situation you're in. That's why you're sick because they have a tidy little neat little theological religious system that says this is how it works and since this is and maybe Job believed that as well maybe for Job he had a tidy little theological system and it was working for him yes he feared god yes he turned away from evil yes he offered sacrifice but the question is does job need to go deeper with god and the answer is yes do you need to go deeper with god the answer is Yes. Do I need to go deeper with God? The answer is, oh, yes. And God uses things like this. I don't understand all the angles of it. But Job feels like God has become his enemy. And he might say to his friends, how could I conclude anything else? And then he continues to speak to God. A cry to my creator. He says, have you, Job 10.4, have you eyes of flesh? Do you see as a man sees? Are your days as the days of a mortal? Or your years, talking to God, as man's years? That you should seek for my guilt and search after my sin according to your knowledge? I am indeed not guilty, because I know you know everything. Yet there is no deliverance from your hand. Do you see Job's dilemma in the second section, verses 4 through 7? He says, I've heard the poor comforters say to me, they continue to examine my life. You must have done this, right, Job? Wrong. You must have done this, right? Your kids must have, no. No, 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 and I'm not going to say yes just to please you in your little system that you've come up with. No. They keep searching and scrutinizing my path to see what I've done wrong. Is this what you do, God? God. Do you scrutinize my path just to look for the little faults that I have? I hope not, (laughs) because I got a bunch of them. And do you know that the Lord doesn't take into account my sin? Because in Jesus Christ, I've been reconciled. I have the righteousness of Christ. He's no longer counting my sins against me. Love covers a... Oh, praise the Lord. A multitude of sins. If you, oh Lord, kept a record of my sin, oh Lord, who could stand? You see, Job, he's saying, are you like these guys, these so-called counselors who come over and are nitpicking every aspect of my life? And the answer to Job's question is no. God is not like that.
0: You've been listening to A Cry to My Creator, part one on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 10. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And please follow Walk in Truth on social media. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, whenever we turn to something besides God to find our true comfort, we could call that an idol. And you may recently, because there's been such overwhelming times in our world, maybe you turn to an old habit. Maybe you turn to a drug or alcohol for comfort. Or maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe your job has become your escape from everything else. And if you're doing that, that's not healthy. The Lord wants to be your refuge, and He is your refuge, but you've got to run to that refuge. There, there is a part that we play. A refuge is there for us, but we got to run to it. And that's what the Lord wants us to do in our individual lives. We make a decision to press into God, to run for refuge, to pray when we're tempted. That's something that God has allowed us to be part of, to, to make a decision. And, and I think you can make better, healthier decisions Because you know what? If you run to an idol for comfort, you're just going to add another weight to your life. Idols will ultimately become burdens, but the Lord removes burdens. Idols add burdens. The Lord removes them. Just remember that. And hey, one way to kind of just keep that wisdom flowing and make sure you're connected and staying in the Word and in fellowship is to come to church And you can come to Wednesday nights at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor in the city of Corona, 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We have a great midweek service. It's a little bit more casual than our Sundays. We invite you to come 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Now, if you live outside the area, we do live stream the Wednesday night service at seven o'clock. It's on our YouTube channel. You can connect to that channel when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Well, so glad you're listening to the book of Job here on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. Thanks for praying for us. Thanks for partnering with us. We love you, and we'll see you, Lord willing, here, right here tomorrow.
0: Just so you know, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job, but... You can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 10 called A Cry to My Creator. Hey, I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.